0: Are you a footballer that finds their feet slipping and sliding inside their boots during a match? If so, Curva Mundial has a great solution for you. We've partnered with Technogrip Socks to bring you an exclusive offer on their new featherlight Grip Socks. Technogrip Socks are different because they provide breathable comfort and next-level grip, but without the annoying bumps or thick and spongy material of traditional grip socks. Designed for athletes seeking sleep performance, Technogrip socks are specially engineered with a unique grip yarn knitted into key areas of the sock, providing superior control without the bulk. They're lightweight and moisture-wicking with midsole compression, so your feet feel great in both practice and games. If you've been wearing grip socks, these are radically different and will take a little getting used to, but once you make the switch, you'll never look back. Head on over to Technogrip.com, that's T-E-Q-N-I-G-R-I-P.com, and use code CURVA15 for 15% off your first order. Again, head to Technogrip.com and use code CURVA15 for a 15% discount. You'll thank us later. Listeners, it's the missus. I have an announcement to make. My husband doesn't love me anymore. That is t- not true! Yes, it is! I'm usually the dramatic one, but you're saying
1: this because I ate the last bag of House of Macadamia nuts.
0: These are not just any nuts, these are the most luxurious nuts, and they're too good to resist. House of Macadamia are high in protein, vegan, paleo, and keto friendly.
1: Baby, I know you're bad and bougie, but don't worry, more are coming soon. I got us a subscription box. You did? It is not just us who can get this box. Curva Mundial listeners can subscribe to my personalized box and try their subscription service and see what I'm raving about. Farmers in South Africa get a piece of the pie. Macadamia nuts become more available and you can taste and try different flavors and items. So just go to anchor.fm slash curva dash and click on the link, which will take you right to my personalized box on House of macadamia. And by ordering from Curva Mundial's special curated subscription box, you get fifteen percent off, and a free four-pack of snack bars are also included.
0: That's great.
1: Even better, sell some Curva Mundial's curated subscription box on House of Academia, also help fund this podcast, so everybody wins.
0: So all listeners have to do is go to anchor.fm/curva-mundial and click on the link which will take them right to your personalized box on House of Macadamia? Yep,
1: And I did this all for you. Because I love you. Contrary to what you might think.
0: So you say. Welcome to Curva Mundial.
1: Hello welcome to another episode of Kogva Mundial I am your host Sal Bono and on this episode I am joined by musicians and members of the acclaimed British indie rock group the happy please welcome to the show Newcastle supporters Thomas Armstrong and Matt Mark Antonio welcome Thomas and Matt hello hello how are you doing good 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 um because this is an audio podcast introduce yourselves to everybody so they get familiar with your voices
2: all right, well, I'm Matthew. I uh play the bass and I'm the lead singer,
3: and I'm Tom. I'm on drums and
1: moral support. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, you know. It's exciting times. To be, uh, I thank you guys so much for doing this, I really appreciate it. Um, it's exciting times to be Newcastle supporters these days with so much to cheer for, especially the signing of my favorite young player, Sandro Tonelli. What days? Yeah, yeah. uh, thinking Newcastle can pull off something big with the way things are going.
2: Well, I mean, our entire lives, Newcastle have been the underdogs. You know, mm-hmm. and when we were growing up in the nineties, like there was a brief couple of seasons where we had Alan Shearer and like a really good team, like Andy Cole and like Peter Beardsley and a few legends. Like they, they to to me, that's like the iconic team that I'll always yeah, remember. Gaza. And we were so close. I, again like we were talking a minute ago about statistics. Like me and Tom, we don't know statistics and stuff, but like, you know, we I know that we came close to winning that year. And then that was it. That was like it. You know, that was <laughs> we've never been close since.
3: So, but the it's still been huge in the city the whole time. There's a huge yeah. stadium and a massive, massive um fan base that have still been going week in, week out yeah and supporting newcastle through let's be honest decades of uh, yeah. rough rough times it so really... it's it's and i've actually recently moved back to newcastle um oh, really? after being down south in brighton for a long time so it's been really cool being there the last few years when it's all been looking up again
2: yeah and so it, it is like i think it's just been i was seeing some footage the other day because there's this documentary's just come out on amazon or something yeah, about Brian yeah about um newcastle and like the takeover um and i'd never seen some of the footage uh from a couple of years ago but like huge celebrations outside the stadium like people just going crazy because the last owner really you know the fans really didn't like him mike ashley and he was there for 15 years or something and you know that he'd run the club into the ground but then so yeah i think i think it's felt like a real new Lease of life for the city because I, I just think a lot of Geordie's, which is what you call people from Newcastle, if you don't know, okay. that, um,
3: which makes no sense phonetically, but yeah. it is true. It's
2: just one of those things G E O R D I E, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Just spell that right, Um Yeah, it's like the the football club is connected to the heart of everyone, you know, so like. I think it's just been like an injection of just good spirit into the city. I think you Mm -hmm. know what I mean. Feels
1: like a pity. You mentioned the new ownership. There's been much talk and controversy over the new owners of the club, but as a result, but the results are showing slowly. But how do you feel about that? There's got to be like some sort of conflict here.
3: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, (laughs) It's like there's there's obviously ugly stuff behind all of that. Um, part of me thinks there's ugly stuff behind a lot of the money in the Premier League across the table. Yeah, um, um, but you know, yeah, it is a conflicting feeling. And on the other side of, on the other side of the stick, I don't know if that's the right idiom there, but um, like
2: or the foot, you should, maybe the other
3: yeah, side of the, the ball. Sh- when the sh- well, well you're the are a drummer,
0: thing, so stick
3: works side, that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's true. That's um, true. It just it it means a lot to the city it really does like even even beyond who the new owners are just like mike ashley being out i remember like i was walking the dog and there was a guy walking through the park with a radio like it was the end of the war listening live to the announcements and he just ran up to me and said he's gone he's bloody gone and it was like (laughs) it was like the war had ended people were like hugging each other in the streets and then everyone gathered outside st james's park and Sam Fender, who's a guy we know, was down there with his with Johnny, a saxophone player, ripping out working class hero in the, in the strawberry, the pub outside the stadium.
2: And working class hero is like the kind of the anthem of the team, you see. Okay. And Sam, Sam's a lad who's is a local boy who's done really well for himself. Like he just sold out like two nights at the Newcastle football ground. Um, oh. So he's like an absolute local hero. He's a young lad. He's about our age. And, um, yeah, he went down with his sax player yeah. and started ripping out the, it
3: was just uh, and i think that's what we're talking about those years of the long suffering years just yeah. the idea that there could be a kind of light and there could be some goals
2: <laughs> that's the thing and i think like i don't think anyone's naive to the fact that there's a conflict of interest in the fact that you know the controversy around the saudi arabian owners and things like that and i don't think anyone really would agree like no one's supporting those things by supporting yeah owners, the, but, team, the
3: team they supported their whole life basically yeah and i Christ. just
2: think like, i don't think there's any like you said before Tom. there's no there's no such thing as clean money in sports i think everyone's hands are a bit dirty this is like this is business you're talking about you right. know like everyone's got blood on their hands and like i just think like you know um yeah i don't sorry i just got thrown off my train of thought there by you know, the other band members coming into the band. <laughs>
1: we have a whole party going on it's great oh,
3: yeah.
2: no. we're, we're in a lay by in france currently oh wow oh, yeah we just got to france we just got off the ferry and we're in a lay by
3: okay on the way to cologne for our gig tomorrow
2: yeah nice but yeah I mean, to, to, to cut it short yeah there is a conflict of interest i don't think people are particularly happy about it but then like you say when the shoe's on the other foot like who's not gonna take something like this When we reviled, you know, the old owner so much, you know, like who's not going to, you know.
1: Of course, it is is funny to see like how it's always, especially now in modern football where the controversy has been sports washing and all this. But as you guys had mentioned that, you know, there is no clean money anymore. And mm. especially with these bigger clubs and teams that want to be bigger clubs. They're every And business is dirty. Business will always be dirty. But But at the end of the day, these are just caretakers. The fans, the team will be there forever. The history will always be that's there. It. So I it's just, even if you put up rather, with them for like a decade. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's the thing. You'd rather it wasn't. But the, the thing, when you see what it means emotionally, football to Geordies and people in the northeast of England, it's just, yeah, it's the lesser of needles, you know, something like that.
1: For sure. You know, it's it's interesting, though. You guys are originally from Newcastle, which explains the Newcastle fandom, and then have recently moved to Brighton. But as Thomas said, he moved back to Newcastle. But you've been in yes. Brighton for quite some time. And Brighton right now is also going through a little bit of a football revolution, thanks to this. Yeah, really? uh, what's it like to see... Normal provincial sides take the top four now as this podcast is being recorded and slay some of these Premier League giants and looking really good.
3: It's really fun, actually. It yeah, just, it makes it more interesting. It, it does just
1: make it more interesting. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of the years when we were growing
3: up, it was just Manu would just would win the Premier League every year, and that's like cool, 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 same again, same again. Um, and I remember when Brighton a few years ago now when they got into the Premier League for the first time in years and years. I was working in a bar in central Brighton and the stadium's actually outside of town, but the players its just, it obviously meant a lot to that, to, to that side, but the players got on the train into town with everyone after the match they were kind of carried by the crowd down the street, celebrated around town and they kind of came pouring into the bar I was working at at the time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun. It just makes it more interesting. I think.
1: Um, I agree.
3: Yeah. Seeing these kind of grand stories play out and underdogs fighting their way up and well, who
2: doesn't like an underdog? You know, it's, it's so much more interesting the underdog story, you know. Um Yeah, it's great man. The Seagulls, the Brighton Seagulls. Yeah, It's always fun when the a match between Brighton and Newcastle it is. as well.
1: Is that now Newcastle is a working class town with tough as nails people, but Brighton's a seasore, seaside resort town. What's it? What are the two differences among the people that live in both cities? Since you guys have lived in both places,
2: well, I don't know, really. I mean, I think like it's not so distinct, is it? Where there's like it's a seaside town, but there's still you know there's still been working class people in both cities. Mm-hmm. And things that, you know,
3: I... I guess when we first moved down, the notable thing. Being from you know the north of England and coming right down far south,
2: mm.
3: I guess these are probably things that I would notice if I moved anywhere in the south. But like people probably smile at each other less in the street and chat with each other less initially. Mm. you're like, yeah, yeah. you know, just I remember like kind of trying to give someone my day saver when I was finished with it, which was my ticket for the day on the bus or the train, and people running away from me. Thinking <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I think that was crazy, you know. I was like, oh no, I'm just finished with this ticket for the day. I don't know if you wanted it. like, It's a mad man. <laughs> So it's just a bit like a bit harder edges in the south of England, maybe, or at least it felt like that. Brighton's although on the on the other hand, Brighton's a kind of very
2: cosmopolitan.
3: Cosmopolitan Bohemian okay. town, which is, you know, one of the reasons you end up going there for the music. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's a lot of arts going on and a lot of kind of a lot of strange and firm personalities down there.
2: Yeah, it's very cool. It's like the gay couple of the UK, so it's a very right. cool um, bohemian, interesting place. Yeah, See,
1: which I is never, what attracted us. Okay. Yeah. okay, so like I never knew this, and my only connection to Brighton was obviously the team. Following their rise and what's been going on in recent years, there's clips in movies where, like, anytime someone from London wants to take a vacation, they go to Brighton or whatever. Yeah, yeah. there's always much like, yeah, much, I'm sure, yeah, right. Much living there, it's probably um, not great, but every like sunny day. Yeah, 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 the the three times it's it's very sunny in england everyone's running to brighton (laughs) but but um there's also this block party song where he's singing kelly's singing where let's go to brighton for the weekend like it's a big deal like it's such a big place to go but i had no idea about any of this so the fact that it's so bohemian and cosmopolitan on the beach how does that inspire you coming from a place that's not any of those like newcastle doesn't sound like any of that it's it's wet it's rainy it's hard it's cold and then now you go to some place that's sunshine does that change how you approach your music then
2: i think like initially it was the reason why we moved away from newcastle because we moved away like 13 years ago and um we'd when we first started the band we were kind of trying to find other rock and rollers like us in newcastle and and sort of struggled really like there wasn't any you know great venues to play the promote there was a lot of really just dodgy a lot of the bills didn't suit us a lot of the bills didn't suit us bad promoters and things and we just got fed up with it because we were doing this kind of bluesy prog rock at the time and we thought like well this isn't getting us anywhere in newcastle um and so and then we kind of just visited a brighton on an off chance and saw that there was much more of a kind of Appreciation for maybe what we were doing there, and it was a bit of a no-brainer, really. Mm -hmm. But I think in the last, like, to be fair, in the last ten years or so, Newcastle's really changed as well. It's becoming a lot more, you know, arty, I guess, in a way. There's 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 new venues opening. There's some great bands coming out of there, like Sam Fender, who we mentioned, is has done a lot for the city Mm -hmm. in the last few years by becoming like a national kind of beloved singer
3: um, yeah I mean, there was there was always culture there it's just it wasn't didn't you see us at the time yeah and i think like really? it, it now there's just it just feels really exciting to be there now there's loads of great food there's like a lot of great music
2: there's a little grassroots culture yeah I think now.
3: exactly like, yeah that's awesome
2: it's, yeah it's really cool it's 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 beautiful to see and tom's moved back and you know i'm thinking about moving back and um yeah it's great so i mean i think like initially this sort of change did influence us a bit you know brighton's a very kind of party mm-hmm. city there's a lot going on there's a lot of great venues so for a band who were just trying to sort of cut our teeth and get established it was a perfect place to go
3: it was the timing of it too i think as we arrived we became kind of part of this burgeoning scene of like yeah. psyche garagey rock bands And there was a lot of Events and nights that were kind of boiling pots, these bands that were, you know, some of them are still around now that were going through those nights like Royal Blur, Black Pony, you know, Tiger Cub, various bands that were playing back then. Lots have gone now, but there's a few of us still knocking around that are still kind of <laughs> kicking the can. I love <laughs> it.
1: But you guys have been going strong since 2008, and D-Mob Happy getting acclaim from fans and critics back home, and even in America with Jack White calling himself a fan of your music. The band have released the brilliant single sweet and sour america in the fall of 2023 and touring with death from above 1979. what are your 2024 plans as the year goes on
2: well the new record really i mean we we just don't want to stand still like we had a kind of like everyone we had an imposed sort of false standstill because of covid um, and anyway, it had been a couple of years when COVID came around since we'd put a new record out. We put a load of singles out that had done really well. Um, but then, you know, COVID just meant that we were just then stood still for three years. Mm-hmm. And then, so we put the new record out and we just, we've got so much music and material that we just, we're going to just get our heads down and, and make something new and just, do, and yeah, and just keep moving, man, because it's like there's so much stuff there. There is. We just want to get, we just want to release it.
3: Every time we go away to write, there's we we normally go away to kind of rural Wales, um, in the middle of nowhere, and switch our phones off and spend a few weeks writing. But we'll put we've got a big massive whiteboard and we'll write out all the songs that I haven't found a home yet, and then there's the new ones that have come in since our last writing session, and it's just. It just fills up the wall, and we're like, okay, look, we just need to put some of these out to just get them out <laughs> yeah. of our, the back of our heads. I know we,
2: we never the, the list never reduces. No, no. Every time we go away, we're like, oh shit, there's more.
3: Okay. Like, <laughs> kind of our bias to the new stuff that's exciting us, but some yeah. things, you know, some things from the old batches we'll, through. We'll still look at
2: songs like eight years old, nine years old that we've never released and been like, oh, Jesus, man, one they're day they're still absolute <laughs> bangers. So it's choose. So yeah. Gotta- so there's
1: more in the can because you released a fantastic album, Divine Machines, in 2023, and everything mm-hmm. was done independently and produced by the band. What? So, what's it like just focusing and doing it all on your own, with no other outside influence? And as you said, like you're going to Wales, switching everything off, getting off the grid, and creating these i i santa's sack of songs if you will like a huge like you know vault yeah. that you have like what what's you know so what's all that like just doing it on your own
2: i mean it's a, it's an amazing uh, sort of freedom that we have to do it by ourselves it's a it's a blessing and it's like a, we're very privileged really that we've always kind of worked with labels and things who have had enough faith in us um where they have just thought we like what you do go and do it you Mm -hmm. know and that's by kind of a bit of luck but also by us engineering and picking the right people to work with you know so i mean like
3: i kind of getting frustrated i think in the past with yeah because you know there's the songs and the parts and then a whole other side that where i think more we've got our fingers more in than other bands is how it sounds Mm -hmm. the production of it especially matt has worked on that more and more and more over the last few years and got Mm -hmm. more involved in that and I think that's intrinsically like inextricable from the songs themselves. So it's having the time to do that, having the time and being like, I know how I want this to be. Yeah. So then, you know, not having to outsource that or not really being able to get someone else to just have that vision appear in there. Right?
2: Yeah. We've kind of had like a clear vision many times over in the past and sort of had to work backwards, you know, and then as Tom says, been frustrated when other producers or other kind of artists, you know, Mm -hmm. doing artwork and graphic design for us, haven't kind of come up with what we see. So then it's just been like, right, well, we'll do it ourselves Mm -hmm. then, you know, and that's kind of always been the way is just sort of like, well, and I think we've kind of learned now, certainly after this last record of just, just being like, well, we know how to steer this ship better than anyone else now, and we've, Mm -hmm. and we've got enough experience. So I kind of think the next plan really is to go back to somewhere like Wales, and really just sort of record it all ourselves because that's basically what we did with Divine Machines was like, where it was on. They were only ever meant to be demos that we recorded in Wales, but because then lockdown hit, you know, and suddenly there was this gulf of time. I kind of I took those demos and started polishing them up, and then basically that's 60 70 percent of what you hear on the record we didn't
3: know when the studios were ever going to open again at that point so it was like well we can either sit on our hands or we can work with what we've got
2: yeah and then and then which
3: was you know luckily very well captured demos
2: yeah that's the thing and then really that's what we shopped out to labels and said you know do you want to put this out and then someone came on board but it it was really just from that demo stuff so and i think for us there's like demoitis i don't know if there's a thing that there's a term that gets sort of bandied around in the industry but it's like demos just have this intrinsic special magic to them and when you go in the studio and try and repeat that you always fail they're never they're never as good you know it's always worse when you come out and we just got so tired of that feeling um of being disappointed by the finished product that we just thought right well Let's make sure when we record stuff and demo stuff that we record it really nicely, you know, mm-hmm. and then it gives the freedom for them to do what we did on the last yeah, record. Even
3: if it's just a moment like that weird solo you did improvise on this song when we were jamming it, yeah. you can't quite perform it with that weird energy again mm-hmm. or get it to sound that chaotic when you're impersonating that moment yeah so then yeah that was the reason we got some we rented some nice mics and stuff mm-hmm. and we're like right we'll just capture it all kind of for those moments to cherry pick and then it ended up being like oh okay all the studios are going to shut for two years
1: mm-hmm. we've got all the stuff that like, we've got nice mics over us let's see what we can do with it yeah
0: it's-
1: It's incredible hearing the amount of content that you have, but you're not the only artist that struck a creative nerve as the fucking world was ending, essentially. You know, it's (laughs) like you have this moment where it's, you know, as creatives such as yourselves, you couldn't do anything. You couldn't play, but you only had each other and what was inside of you to get out. And we're seeing... Artists more and more now releasing multiple albums a year. Nas has just put out six records in three years. The National put out two <laughs> albums in the course of this year, and now you guys are sitting on a whole mountain of songs that could probably potentially be the six albums in three years. You know, yeah, we'd, love to. Mm-hmm. we'd
3: love to just start cranking them out. To be honest, yeah, <laughs>
1: instead of waiting around.
3: Yeah.
2: It's so, crazy. like, what that missed for tour even harder <laughs> because we have we just we played for about an hour and a half on this tour. And like it's hard enough as it is choosing. So, yeah, I can't um, imagine what it's like if you've got seven, eight, nine albums. Yeah, we've got over. three out, and it's three out and a bunch of singles, and it's pretty tough. We're just, and still people
3: every night shouting songs that you just like, well, I know we're not doing that. So, like, yeah, <laughs>
2: kind of put, put a list of all the ones that we absolutely 100% would get, you know, lynched if we didn't play. Yeah. And yeah. then it was like, right, well, we've got 10 minutes then, that sense, <laughs> you exactly. know. Wow. It's just like, it's 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 yeah i don't know i don't know what we're going to do man because but then you always love your new babies you know
1: it's it's incredible to see again like it was such a dark time but to the creatives that use that time wisely such as yourselves i'm just really looking forward to what, what what comes next now time for a coffee break
0: Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from modcup.com. Mod Cup. Drink modern coffee. Use code MUNDIAL for 10% off your first order
1: guys thank you so much we're actually not done yet we're in the uh, home stretch of the podcast these are three rapid fire questions that i ask every guest on the show they pertain well. to Newcastle um <laughs> so just uh shout them out uh as they come in so the first question is if you could bring back one retired player to your club a former Newcastle player alive or dead who would it be and why one two three
2: Alan Shearer, Shearer.
1: No,
2: <good>.
3: I mean,
2: he's just the king of the hill. He's the the highest scoring goal man in the history of Premier League. Premier League, yeah.
3: Still hasn't been beaten, I don't think. And that's a stat.
2: And that's a stat. stat. Because every single Geordie knows that Alan Shearer is the greatest uh, Premier League goal scorer ever. So, do you know Shearer? Do you know Shearer? Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Take that, Erling Holland. Um... Yeah. (laughs) still number one, it would have to be Shearer. Yeah. Got with Sheila all day long.
2: Mm -hmm. Sheila, Sheila, Alan, (laughs)
1: Sheila. All right, (laughs) now we're gonna play ultimate fantasy football. If Newcastle can sign one active player today, not playing for the club, who would it be and why?
2: Um, you know, I've always had a soft spot for Buffon. Nice. Okay. You know, he's like you know he plays. He's a goalie for Italy, Uh and he's like the longest, like. Playing footballer ever or something, isn't it's yes. Like he's like in his fifties or something, yeah. daft like that, and he's still at I mean, the top. Pope
3: uh, keeps handling it out of the box, then maybe we'll
2: have to get Buffon into. That. Well, there you go. You see, <laughs> to be honest, any of the classic Italian players, because I'm half Italian, you see, so it's always been straddled between England and Italy, mm. and all of the iconic when the World Cup comes around exactly. Yeah, the iconic nineties footballers like Roberto Baggio and like oh well, what's his name um there's Buffon and oh can't remember now anyway any of the I Italian it. ones
1: hey I love it now Matt this is a question for you um this is I'm just veering off topic for a second I promise that will be a final question here but uh so what did you do during Euro 2020 when England was playing Italy in that final
2: we I was torn I was so torn between the two Like me and my brothers, because we all came together and watched the match together and all of the friends and things like that. And it was, man, I was just, I I genuinely couldn't win and couldn't lose, you know what I mean? (laughs) Because I was going to be sad or happy no matter what happened. So it was just, it was just totally rough. All right. Just
3: just, an internal
2: storm of a day. I was happy and then I wasn't. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, I just kind of left feeling a bit shit, to be honest. (laughs) Because it was like, I kind of wanted both of them to win. It's not possible
1: so all right uh thomas i'm sorry <laughs> if i brought up like bad bad and bad memory from that one
3: uh but... i'm a one-eighth italian
1: so i was like oh okay great so, yeah. you
2: know you are One eighth happy. all right
1: and finally <laughs> gentlemen what has been your favorite moment as a fan of this game
3: um well you know i was saying i moved back to newcastle and i've actually because I liked, I loved football as a kid, and then I just was so swallowed up by music and just beguiled by it, and I still am. But since moving back to Newcastle, I've kind of gotten much more back into it and hanging out with my brother Johnny a lot more, who's a huge fan of Newcastle, and watching it with him. So it's probably, for me, he always promised to take me to a game but never got around to it until literally like last year. And we went together and it was just unreal it's just mm -hmm. amazing being in st james's park the atmosphere in that place is just out of hand at the moment um especially with how well newcastle doing so yeah it'll be finally going to see newcastle play that's awesome that's awesome and matt for you playing for a
2: Newcastle under 13s elite striker yeah 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 right back I had another I had a in the career moment when I was younger I did get scouted by the Newcastle under 13s club but it wasn't for me it wasn't for me I was sort of I was I didn't I hadn't I wasn't cut out for it to be honest all I did I just loved playing football and I loved and I was talented but I just loved playing football and then it became too much about the competitiveness and the sort of you know, a lot of real competition between the other mm-hmm. lads and things. It and gets that, pretty serious. A lot yeah, life. it got so serious. I was like, oh, I'm not interested. You know, I just want to have fun. But I mean, I don't know. I've just got so many beautiful memories. It's not exactly Newcastle, but like a memory I'll re- remember forever is watching Italy win the World Cup um, with my, uh, yeah, with my. My dad and my brothers and we were sat outside in in the house in Newcastle because it was a sunny evening. I think it was in like two thousand and ah, oh, when would it have been two thousand six? Yeah, two thousand six. Yeah, um, and it was a summer evening. We had a massive bowl of pasta that my mom made, <laughs> and we watched them win the final. It was an incredible game, and yeah, that's just a beautiful memory I'll always treasure.
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Guys, thank you so much. This was great. Ladies and gentlemen, catch up. happy on tour, listen to their tunes, and wait, obviously, for tons more music coming out. So, so thank you guys so much for doing this. I really appreciate it.
2: Thanks, man. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you so much for
0: having us. I'll see you in New York. Yes, mate. See you there. Bye. All right. Ciao, ciao. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Curva Mundial listeners can get 20% off their next order at Football Devotion. For football designs with a difference, head over to footballdevotion.com and use code CURVA for 20% off your order. That's code CURVA.